Your Money Replay from Money FM 89.3. Money and Me on Your Money, only on Money FM 89.3. He has over three decades worth of experience creating tailored solutions for high net worth individuals. He's reviewed hundreds of portfolios, those of his clients, those of people who want to understand more about the field of FX trading as well. He's especially passionate about equity, funds, fixed income, commodities, private equity. Ben Ng is Managing Director and Head of Southeast Asia at Raffles Family Office here today in Money and Me to tell us about some common mistakes investors make and uh, as a person who sits on the board of directors of the NUS Business School alumni. I thought he'd give us a 101 course, sort of a little mentorship session for those of us who want to understand Forex trading but maybe have no financial background in the area. Later on, Ben's going to share his top hacks of how Singaporeans looking to grow their nest egg can do so, particularly if you're a young person. Okay, Ben, good morning and welcome to Money and Me. Good morning, Michelle. I wonder if you can start by sharing with our listeners a little bit more about what you do in this space. In the Raffles family office, we manage money for the high net worth, multi-family. So probably, you know, if we help them to watch after their wealth for the next generation so that they have enough, you know, to live for the, their children and all. Okay, so is it fair to say that in the world of forex trading, what you're doing is capturing profits from volatility? A lot of people think that Forex is just trading and buy, sell and drink. But actually, there are a lot more than that because you could be investing in Europe. You know, you need Euro, Euros to invest in Europe. You know, Japanese yen to invest. And there are a lot of such things like how do you manage the risk? Like, for example, if the equity market were to move up or down, what happened to such currencies? Maybe yen will go up or down, dollars go up or down. What about gold? The key is actually looking and uh, watching the co-relationship of currency pairs and how they move against the, the, say, risk or the equity market or the rest of the investments. Can I ask how you got in the field? After I graduated, I started as an FX dealer in investment bank and that's how, you know, along the way from an FX dealer to become into the wealth management space. So you've always been interested in FX? More like managing risk. For example, the key in managing risk is about cutting losses. If you know that you're wrong, you just got to be able to top it and say, okay, doesn't matter, and then just move forward. Okay, so you have a lot of experience in the financial industry. What are some common mistakes that you see investors make? If, let's say, typically when we uh, take over a portfolio from a client, normally I realize that it's always not the way, like, it's just like your mahjong cards, the cards that you take, they're all messed up. So what happens, let's say you give me 10 stocks and I say, hey, Michelle, I got to sell these stocks. Then you'll probably tell me, hey, sell those that are in profit and keep the ones that are in the losses. So the five that you sell, you buy another five. And when three of them lose money, you will keep them and you sell those two that isn't money. Yep. At the end of the day, you're going to have a handful of stocks that are just not performing and they're just lousy stocks. And that's what happened. A lot of people, when they come to us, they have a lot of whole portfolio of, you know, those kind of stocks that they bought at $10 that's going at $2, you know, that kind of thing. Because along the way, when they are wrong, they just hang on to it. That's always the main problem with investors. When they are wrong and they are in the loss, they are not willing to just cut it and just move on. So don't sell your winners. Learn how to let yeah, go you of gotta, your loss. You got to keep ones. the winners, and you got to have a little handful of good stocks and not handful lousy <laughs> stocks. I think that's the key. <laughs> what do you think investors can do to avoid these mistakes? When you manage money, let's give it a very interesting analogy. It's like managing a football team. You got to have your goalkeeper, your defenders, the midfielders, and your strikers. Got it. Your goalkeeper is your cash. Your defenders are your bonds. The midfielders are a mid-volatility 
equities or funds and maybe REITs, mutual funds or ETFs. And your strikers are some of these individual stocks that you pick. Okay. So defenders, for example, bonds are important. Why? They cannot give you high return, but they prevent you from losing money when your opponent is strong. But they cannot score goals. Hmm. You see, and that's how it works. If you keep thinking that, oh, you know, I don't want bonds because their return is low. I want high yielding. But what happens when your opponent is strong and the market is bad? They've got to be there to prevent you from losing too much money. Mm. And volatility is bad for any investment. Okay, that's why I called you in actually because I thought, you know, with FX, when you can capitalise <laughs> No, no, volatility is bad for You know, up 50, down 50 is actually 75, you know. Okay. Do you think those of us listening in and they're interested in FX trading, where's a good place to start? Actually, foreign exchange is not as volatile as the stock market, probably in the region 8 to 10% now, versus the stock could be 30%. That's why people are always allowing me to leverage because foreign exchange is actually not volatile. I mean, your sing dollar could move from 137 to 136 but if you buy a stock at 137, it could drop to a dollar. Just think of that. So FX is not as volatile as people think. It's less volatile. Wow. Didn't realize that. What should retailers be thinking about in terms of a good time to buy or sell in FX? I wouldn't advise retailers to just speculate on price change. Mm. You know? But of course, if you have some needs, you can look into what you need. For example, if you need some US dollar for your children's education, Aussie dollar, sterling pounds. But obviously, you could just buy them in trenches. But my advice to listeners is that it's better that you do not dwell into emerging market currencies. For example, ringgit, peso, rupiah. Why? Because such emerging market currencies, they tend to depreciate by the interest rate differential between that currency and SING. For example, let's say if the ringgit is going at 6% hmm. and the SING dollar is 1%, the interest rate differential is 5%. On the average, it should depreciate by 5%. Otherwise, why would people want to keep in SING? And why not just buy ringgit because it gives you a 5 or 7%? That's because it will depreciate by more than that normally. If the currency is high yielding, like those kind of lira and Venetian pesos, you know, this... Turkish lira, you should just avoid them. Don't look at interest. Just don't look at, oh, high yielding means good. No, mm. it will depreciate by the interest rate differential on the average. Okay, so here's a listener question. We've been hearing that some investment houses are bullish on the growth of emerging economies next year, 2020. So do you still think it's a bad idea to look at their currencies? The currency, as I said, you know, people are bullish on the growth, but economic growth does not equate to stock market growth. That's why in the uh, equity space, the allocation to emerging market is just, just so small. Really great advice here. Ben Ng is Managing Director, Head of Southeast Asia at Raffles Family Office. Keep your questions coming by at 9717-8893. So you consider bonds defenders of our portfolio, right? Yep. Very yeah, important to defenders, have. That's right. uh, the cash is a goalkeeper, you say? Yeah. <laughs> That's the most important thing. You need some position. cash, right? <laughs> you, you know, you've got to prevent people. From, you've got like 10 goalkeepers, you know, then you're probably not going to make, you're not going to score goals. And neither people are able to score goals. That's you. a good point. You don't need 10 goalkeepers. <laughs> Let's talk about cash and how that could change. Let's talk about stable coins and central bank, whether or not central banks are going to be issuing their own stable coins, so to speak. So if we look at what China is doing, if you look at what Thailand is doing, what is the future? of central banks adopting digital currencies? Facebook has sort of announced that they may launch their Libra in 2020 December. That could be delayed. 
But this has put pressure on a lot of central banks in the sense that can you imagine that uh, if your emerging market and all your people in Philippines, Indonesia, Malaysia putting their money into Libra, for example. So that will cause a huge impact on the emerging market currency, on the local currency. So central banks, about 60 or 70% of central banks, according to statistics, are concerned and they, are want, they want to prepare themselves. So they are looking into putting, you know, digitalizing. It doesn't mean they are blockchain, but digitalizing their currency, just like China, you know. If you put your money in WeChat and Alipay, I transfer to you, you transfer me. You don't see the fiscal form, they're just digital. Mm-hmm. And they can be issued by central banks, of course. There are a lot of ways, a lot of possibilities now. But you can imagine that the, the role of banks could diminish. Because just like our money coming from CPF, imagine CPF issuing you a digital money. Do you need to bank with the bank? No, you don't need to bank with the bank. Mm-hmm. Banks' role could be diminished. And let's say if I want to transfer money from... Uh, to my relative in Indonesia and re- Malaysia or Philippines, it's just a push of the button through Facebook, right? And of course, also, we have to look at the interest rate space. Mm. Interest rate could go to negative. It could go to very negative without affecting because nobody gets hurt. The banks is not being charged. Because currently, if a currency is a negative interest, banks have to pay for them if they don't charge you. But imagine if your money is in a wallet. So what if it's negative interest? I don't have to pay the bank. So there are all implications and it's Lots. quite interesting in this space. And experts, I'm no expert. Yeah, it's just my thoughts. I'm sharing mm. my thoughts about it. And mm-hmm. I want to give it a bit of a, a thinking into this space in the sense that it, people are calling for it to be launched, say, in the next uh, one, two years. Digital currency, the moment somebody come in and launch it, it could avalanche of, you know, of actions taken by the central banks to so quickly... So, so like, like first to the... That's right, first mover. People are trying to get there. China's yes. moving in that direction, right? Yeah, surely, surely. The speculation that China is probably the first one to issue this... And Thailand, uh, you say, as well? Yeah, yesterday, I think a couple of days ago, I read an article that they are looking at it. 70 to 60 to 70% in Europe, in Sweden, you know, all these banks, uh, ECB, you know, Christian Lagarde is talking about it. Everybody is talking about being uh, issuing true. a digital currency. We did hear Christine Lagarde uh, mention that. Do you think this could mean less financial crime, greater oh, yeah, financial inclusion? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, is you know the there's easier tax, right? The government knows where how much money you have. Mm. It's easier for them to tax you. The GST, everything is going to be much more efficient. Yeah, everything will be easier. Would, would this affect your world as an FX trader at all? I think the margin in, in, in of course, it's for the retailer, for the, for the, for people like us, it's going to be good. But in the financial space, margin is going to be squeezed. Right? And banks and, and the financial institutions will have to be, have to adapt to, to such a changing environment. That's, that's my thought. Ben Ng, Managing Director, Head of Southeast Asia at Raffles Family Office. What do you think are some common misconceptions people have of the FX market? You want to burst the, the bubble? On the, on the uh, average, an average investor always think that they want volatility, you know, they want to trade, they want to speculate. This is what we call trying to generate alpha. If you think that you can trade and you can beat the professionals, I think it's not going to be easy. You know, people are spending hours and hours on the screen and research. You know, there are thousands of professionals out there trading FX, trading equity market. And you as, a, as an individual, you know, not so professional, you think you can generate alpha or out outperform this uh, market I think it's going to be tough mm. so generally I would I would advise that people to say invest in say ETFs you know maybe you got Singapore Index ETF or the S&P 
500 ETFs. You know, put your money there and just just allow it to grow and have some money in, in bonds, etc. Mm. To diversify, you know, manage your money like you're managing a football team. Of all sort of players. <laughs> All sorts of players Because professionals like you Have a very sophisticated Understanding of risk Right? We're talking that's right about. That's right We are probably the only People at Raffles Family Office uh, People who could quantify risk If let's say you tell me You're low risk mm. And your friend is low risk How low is low? I could tell you Okay maybe Your standard deviation is 5 Your friend is 5.5 And we could quantify Meaning to say that Let's say I would be able to say Okay the chance of you losing money Is Losing money is maybe uh, 1 in 6.25 years. Or maybe for you to lose more than 5%, according to my statistics, is 1 in 40 years. So quantifying risk is actually the key to managing money. But obviously, banks, are, you know, they, in, in wealth management space, mm-hmm. banks don't do that. But we are, in family office, we are able to do that. Okay, so let's talk about those good, safe investments. And what do you think of gold? Gold is, uh, there's a cost of carry in gold. You know, obviously... Uh, professionals like to invest in gold because they have a negative correlationship to equity market, meaning to say that if the stocks were to come down, gold normally goes up. And when people start to go into digital currency, you know, like Bitcoin and all that, gold become a, a attractive uh, uh, investment. Why right? is that? Because you could be because nobody want to put the money in 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 US dollar. They don't want to put in in currencies. They lose faith in currency. So. Chances are whole gold holds value. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So there are two sides of camp. You know, people mm. like Warren Buffett say don't invest in gold because gold don't give dividend. But Ray Dalio say People like gold. Ray Dalio say invest yeah. in gold because <laughs> gold has got negative correlations to the effect to the equity market. So you're in the Dalio right. camp. So yeah. you know, I think you, I think we can straddle between both both sides. I think if you want, personally I don't put my money in gold. Mm. But if you want to put your money, you could probably in the region of 3 to 4%. Mm-hmm. Everything is in percentage. So long as you put them in the correct percentage, you're good. Mm, you need to know the prioritization. That's right. That's right. right. Everything is diversified. Okay, speaking of diversified, I was just uh, at a My Money conference uh, on Saturday yeah. with about a thousand retail investors. Oh. And uh, one of the questions that came through mm-hmm. from our panels was, Warren Buffett says diversification is for people who don't know how to invest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a professional, right? I mean, obviously, if you're doing a good job, you can say anything you like. <laughs> it's not wrong, it's not wrong. Diversification. But, you know, he's professional. For the rest of us, we, we need to diversify Wait, because it, it's it a free lunch. The safest yes, thing that you can that's do right. as a retail investor. I know that you deal with young people, that you have, you, you've headed a mentorship program that's right. over at oh, the university. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, what sort yeah. of questions come your way there? For the youngsters, they want to know how to grow their nest egg. And uh, if you come out and work, and I think the key is understanding how to save. Because your saving will be the key, ma- major component in your uh, wealth accumulation. So understanding how to save will be the most important for people who, who start start. Mm-hmm. Because how much can you uh, lose in the investment? But mm-hmm. how much you save makes a difference to how you grow it. Absolutely. As, uh, when you retire, how you invest is important. But when you start to grow... How much you save is really the key. Be a saver. Speaking of retirees, again, at that, this conference that I was at, a lot of the people there were retirees and they want to know how aggressive should they be when it comes to <laughs> investing as a retiree because they have a short yeah, time. Yeah, you know? that's right. But if you're a retiree, you think even if you want to be aggressive and when the stock market dropped 30-40%, you will be so nervous, you've got to be cutting all your losses and you're probably selling at a low. See, don't, don't embrace volatility. All right? Embrace 
risk management. I think people shouldn't be looking at, oh, I want to be aggressive, I want to trade because so-and-so has made so much money. This is tough when the market has gone against you. So just be patient, allow your money to compound, right? And just make your money slowly along the way and, and don't be too impatient to, to make the, the doubling your money. You could, but a small percentage of money you can, you can try, mm. but not like maybe, maybe you could take out 10, 20% of your money and take some risk, mm. but not like, oh, I want to put everything into one and because I think this is it. And most of the time, people are wrong. Mm. People are always interested in penny stocks. What do they need to look at before heading in that direction? I don't dabble in penny stocks and don't advise clients to dabble in penny stocks. Why? Because when you are wrong, see, you buy 50 cents and it goes to 20 cents, you think it's no big deal. And chances are they happen because that's why they are penny stocks. The growth potential is, is not good. And they don't cut. And a penny become penniless. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to put it. Ben, are you interested in the cryptocurrency space at all? I look at it, but I don't touch the cryptocurrencies. I think it's, it's, it's tough for a lot of reasons. For people who don't understand this, uh, this technology, I think it's best that uh, we just let, it, let the speculators and the youngsters who want to dabble. <laughs> Not for people who are serious about yeah, investing Even money as for, a real money manager, it tends off. I huh? understand how it works. Of course, I've tried to, to, to put in and see how it goes. But it's volatile, as I said. It's so volatile. And a lot of things could, could go wrong, right? I mean, you could re- forget your, your, your code and somebody could hack your account, that kind of thing. It's just not... And with so much uh, talk about central banks going to issue the digital currency plus Libra, mm. you know, there's no need to really go into Bitcoin. Obviously, you can try and put a little bit of your money in it. <laughs> to me, it doesn't make sense to focus too much, spend too much energy on something like this. Help us build our portfolio for 2020. Where should we pu- be putting our money, do you think? The... U.S. market is going new high, you know, obviously it's also, if it comes down, there could be a, so there could be a correction. And as a trader, I find that, I felt that the, the market always become bullish at the top. Of late, the market is actually getting a little bit bullish and I'm concerned and I'm watchful and I, I think we should be careful. So we should be looking at investing in, in the equity market that's not so volatile. Mm. Yeah, maybe like consumer staples or even REITs or ETFs. Like, yeah, said, ETFs. Right? Yeah, they're, they're generally less volatile than ETFs are generally less volatile than single stocks. So, but it mm. could be for a Singaporean, I would say that uh, putting some money in the the risk ETF or the uh, STI index ETFs and some bonds, some more bonds will, will be. Uh, oh, the Dow gained twenty percent year to date. Yeah. <laughs> Is uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. <laughs> well, I know your time is money, so I really appreciate you coming by, Ben. Thanks yeah, so much. Thank you, Michelle. Really appreciate yeah, it. Cheers. Ben Ng is Managing Director, Head of Southeast Asia at Raffles Family Office. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.